We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One of the most common questions we get asked at RotoWire is how do you rebuild a dynasty team, a team that just aged out or a team that you took over that filled with some good players and just you don't know how to sell them off or what their trade value is. That was the genesis of this podcast. I'm Alan Soslowski from RotoWire, and my guest today is Mike Dickinson from the Flex Network. I've known Mike from playing in multiple dynasty leagues with him, and he's one of the sharpest players I know. Mike is a strategic trader. And he's actually mastered the rebuild. And what we've done today is put our rebuilding into five simple steps. It ended up being more like eight steps when you listen to the podcast. But these are eight or ten actionable items that you could use in order to help rebuild your dynasty team the right way. Everything from paying attention to the dynasty calendar, from knowing when to uh, trade certain players. At the end of the podcast, my power goes out. My electricity went out in my house, but it was at the very end. You're hardly going to notice, and we just end the podcast abruptly. It was We were actually done talking about Dynasty. We were getting into some player takes, so not that big of a deal. We'll have Mike back on to talk about his player takes. All right, but until then, everybody, here are the five tips on how to rebuild your Dynasty fantasy football team. You know, um, one of the most common questions I get asked, like when I'm, when people are talking about dynasty advice, is, you know, how, what do you think of my team? Is my team should my team rebuild? Uh, you know, how, what's the best way to do it? Who should I trade for? So that's why I, that's what spawned this this podcast, Mike. Is that I just think that there's a lot of people out there, especially right now, that are trying to figure out the direction to go with their dynasty team. And I think salt, both of us included. So do you, how many teams right now, dynasty teams are you managing? Uh, I'm at about 17, 18 teams. We're in the middle of a startup right now. That'll put me, that'll put me at 18. Yeah. What you see me doing right here, by the way, is I'm just like doing all, I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm retweeting everything right now. Uh, But all right. Yeah. So how many of those do you say are like non rebuild? Like, you know what? Here's a better way. How many of those do you think that, probably should be considered for rebuilding so i would say a decent chunk of those i arrived upon during the era of covid when everybody was kind of uh in their ha- in their home didn't really have much else to do the the world was kind of you know in the, in this odd this odd stage so a lot of them are in the early early stages so i don't know that they're necessarily qualifying for for a rebuild at this point uh i i pride myself on being a pretty methodical a pretty a pretty good drafter um 
And by virtue of that fact, I, I'm also, <laughs> there's also a slight bit of hubris in there where I'm saying, okay, I drafted this. I see the value in these guys. I'm not necessarily going to push into a rebuild. So, but I have two or three orphans that I, that I took over that I'm currently in the process of rebuilding. One of them is uh, Brandon Adam, who is my, is one of my co-hosts on the flex network. And he's been on here with you before uh, I took over an orphan in his league and it was Dude, it, it was the Titanic. The, the previous owner was like the band on the deck of the Titanic playing near my God to thee as the ship is sinking. So it was it was brutal. And that's been this is the I took that over midseason. We're in the this will be the second f- second draft that I've gone through and done. So um, I would say I have about two or three that are working into rebuild. You, you bring up like an excellent point. And I was talking about this with somebody else this week that there's the the art of rebuilding takes on two different totally different meanings depending on if you did the startup draft yourself and the team is just tanked or if you're taking over an orphan and the obvious reason is you're not going to have any emotional attachments to the players when you pick up an orphan you'd be like ah, you don't have to say like oh i spent the first you know that year Nikhil harry just like you know face planted now he obviously doesn't even get drafted in a lot of these startups but if you took Nikhil harry at the 101 and you take over a rebuilding team that has him on there, you're going to ship him out right now while he still has some value. You know, this is going back a couple of years ago. Whereas, you know, if you drafted him in the top two picks of your rookie draft, you're going to eh, let me wait and see a little bit. So that I think is, is what's interesting. I've never taken over an orphan team because I don't want to clean up anyone else's garbage. But now that I've been playing dynasty for, you know, over a decade, I have 30 teams. I think that's the next logical step for me is uh, how have you, how have you enjoyed the, the cleanup process? Do you find it, um are you enjoying that (laughs) yeah i actually am and i think being in so many leagues you obviously have managers you have attrition that that occurs naturally for one reason or another so you see teams that'll drop out new owners that are that will come in and typically what happens with the new owners that come in is the first thing they do is they throw everybody on to the they put everybody they put everybody up for uh trade and then they go through and they make trade 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 um, and I, and I get that. Like, you know, you, I, they're like, they have their guys. Everybody has their guys. I like this guy. I like this guy. I hate that guy. I can't believe this guy's on my roster. And I don't necessarily go through it that way. I didn't approach it that way. Um, I, I was, and I'm, I'm atypical. I think I'm very slow. I'm very methodical. I'm very purposeful in what I do. So the roster had a few decent guys on it. I mean, Aaron Jones was on there. TJ Hawkinson was on there. Mike Evans was on there. And the first thing I could have done was put all those guys up, flip them around, and then see where I got to. But I kind of wanted to see, you know, it's a one QB league, so I want to see what was that on the wire. See, get 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 a gauge for the the strength of the league. And there's some there's some sharp players in there, but I kind of like to get a feel for the landscape more before I start making moves. So I've really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I you hit I'm on very- you, you hit on something good right there. Is that when you're when you're doing dynasty trades when you take over an orphan or if you come into a new league is really surveying the personality, seeing who you're going to be able to trade with, slow playing it and. Uh, that is when we get into our tips, cause I don't want you to go further here. Cause I'm going to, I actually want to do a little history with you first is that there's the, the typical way people uh, take over a team or try to do a rebuild is that they sell off their older players for picks. I have thought of a different way to do this um, or just an alternative way to complement or supplement that core strategy. So, but before we do that, Yep. What I want everybody to know is I'm here with Mike Dickinson from the Flex Network. You could check out their pod. Everybody knows the Flex Network who listens to this podcast because uh, we, you know, we have you guys on all the time. But I wanted to start with Dynasty philosophy. Let's start. Let's take a startup for example. You know, okay. on this podcast, we 
we only talk about super flex leagues, not only, but we, we talk about things in terms of super flex leagues. What is your dynasty philosophy when you're start in a startup draft? And the reason I'm asking you this is because this will lead into our five tips on how to rebuild a team, which we're going to get to. Okay. So dynasty philosophy, you're in a startup. I, you know, I know in the beginning you're going to pick quarterbacks, like if you're in the first two or three picks, but overall, what do you want to come out with and start your, your base build in the first few rounds? So <clears throat> I, I don't necessarily go in with a set strategy and I don't necessarily know how my team is going to look coming out. I am more read and react when I'm in startups. So this one, this one that we're in, that we're in the middle of right now of, I was picking out a seven spot of the first seven of the first picks, six picks ahead of me. I think all six or five of the six were QB and it's a league where we start four wide receivers. So I was like, the value to me was screaming wide receiver. So I jumped at wide receiver. Um, I like to kind of take, <clears throat> excuse me. I like to take what the room is going to give me, what the league is going to give me and then base it off of there. If I can zig when people are zagging, then I can, I, I really feel like I can pick up value and I know that I can make up, I can make it up either in the later rounds picking, you know, by doing, by having dive, going in deeper on some of these guys, understanding some next level analytics and analysis. You know, I, I didn't end up taking a QB until the fourth or fifth round out of there. So I came out of the four, four wide receiver league. I came out with, I think two wide receivers and a running back in the first three rounds. And I was completely fine with that. You know, I got, I got a QB that I'm good with. I'm accumulating some rookie picks and I'm in a, this is more of a long-term strategy for me. You know, I think I can be competitive this year. And if I'm not, I got hedges for the next two years. So here, here's my thought on the quarterbacks in these super flex startups is that they're, undervalued in the startup draft and then slightly overvalued after the draft. The minute the draft is over, the, their price goes up. You know, Derek Carr goes in the fourth round, uh, you know, in, in some drafts in the Superflex leagues. And he went in like the second round of ours, I know. Um, I mean, he's basically QB 13, more or yeah. less, right? And if you want to get him, if you want to acquire him, as soon as the draft is over, the value is way higher than what you paid for so that's where you have to shift your mindset is people are like oh my god and again i like what you did you know you're sucking you're sucking up value and then you're just gonna get some of the less desired qb 15 and qb 18 later but what i think is the problem is that people start that they start seeing everyone tack the quarterback they say hey i'm gonna take all of these other positional players and they forget that at some point you're going to have to take a quarterback you don't like or else yeah. your whole dynasty career is just chasing like the Mitch Trubisky's and Mariota's and, and just trying to get something. And then, cause you cannot win without two solid quarterbacks. I mean, you can, but it is very difficult. If you have your whole team in place and you're just having rolling out Daniel Jones and Tua from last year or Zach Wilson, it's just not going to work. So you do have to, again, I'm, I'm all for what you did taking, who were your two quarterbacks that you ended up with so far? So my starters right now are, I took Kirk Cousins as my QB1. Per See, perfect. Stop there. Perfect. Kirk Cousins, unsexy. He'll do the job. You're not going to, you don't have to worry about Daniel Jones. Like, you know, Kirk Cousins is not going to kill you. So that's the way to take up position players. Yeah. And then who was the second one? My second one is I have, I have Mariota and I have uh, Jameis Winston. Fine. Fine. You can, you can, you know, like in single quarterback leagues, you toggle through running back two. Mm -hmm. I think in Superflex leagues, there is a, a, a strategy of toggling through uh, QB2. If you get, you pick up the Andy Daltons, you pick up the, all of the backup quarterbacks because there's more quarterback injuries, it seems lately. 
Yep. I also have 107 and 109 in the rookie in the rookie portion of the startup. So my philosophy is and I'm in this league with you, but I don't I'm, I'm fine throwing out my philosophy. I'm going to take I'm going to take a quarterback at one of those picks in all likelihood. Yep. I'll see how the value drops to me. I'll see what their draft capital is. And, you know, I'll go from there and I'll be fine with that. And I have two first rounders next year. And it's, so if one of those guys falls apart, I got two first next year that I can make some moves with. So I'm fine with all of it. Okay. All right. So let's get to our, our topic here. Cause there's a lot to talk about. Anyway, my dynasty philosophy, similar to yours, take the best player available. I do like to come out with at least one quarterback in the first two rounds. I don't mind like if Jamar chase or your favorite wide receivers there in the middle of the round or Jonathan Taylor taking an older quarterback, because you know, if you take Aaron Rodgers, everyone's like, Oh, he's 38, but he just signed a new contract. He's going to be there for four years. So you're yeah. going to have three years of Aaron Rodgers, which is, you know, I mean, can you tell me for sure? that Josh Allen's going to be the starting quarterback in three years. We, we assume he is. So taking him at 1.2, 1.3, we assume, but the NFL turns over so fast. And that's why I always say play dynasty in two to three year windows with quarterbacks. You can play it in four to five year windows. That's okay. But you just have to be careful. Things turn over quicker than you think. All right. Rebuild. First thing, you know, you, you, when I asked you about this, you said you have to. What's the first step in AA, Mike? You have to. Uh, you got to admit, admit that you have a problem. Yeah, admit yep. that you're a problem. <laughs> so yep. I have a problem admitting I have a problem. Talk a little bit about like that awareness of looking at your roster. I mean, you got to in all aspects of life, this is, and we're going to get largely philosophical here. You got, you got to have some level of self-awareness. Like if you think you're still the same dude you were when you were 18, you ain't, your clothes don't fit the same. You don't have the same swagger. You don't have the same game. If you think your dynasty roster is one day going to magically turn around, I got news for you, brother or sister. It ain't. So understand that you've been out of the playoffs the last three years because your team probably just ain't that good. And hopefully you've been accumulating some draft picks. You probably made some decent trades. You probably made some bad trades, but understand where you're at. If you've missed the playoffs and you've missed them, if you've missed them big time in the in two of the last three seasons, you probably need to undertake a rebuild. Okay. So one of the, you outlined earlier, the, the most popular thing to do in when you're trying to sell off older players for picks, right? You're, you look at Aaron Jones, the 27 year old running back, who's probably going to be productive this year. The Deandre Hopkins, Mike Evans, those are the perennial older guys right now that get sold for draft picks. I definitely think you need to, do that but also the time of the year to do that is not right now meaning in the pre-draft what yeah. you want to do with with that specific philosophy and i think this is where people make a mistake is you want to sell those guys in season after the big game when when they're when they're actually producing deandre hopkins value today which is the beginning of april is not going to be the same as it is in week two when he goes six for 80 in a touchdown yeah. It, and it's interesting. People have to understand the way that the value timeline kind of flows. Like there's nothing more valuable right now. Uh, this is startup notwithstanding. There's nothing more valuable right now than rookie picks for the class that's about to be drafted. People covet those more than anything. Um, Shiny new toy, right? Yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, it's Christmas morning. Like, oh my God, where's Brees Hall going to go? Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see who the first QB taken is. Like, everybody's so stoked for it. And you should be. It's a, as, as football guys, the NFL has done a great job of engaging us year round and making it a, and making it a 365, 24 7 news cycle. But like, the first day of the first day of free agency, the opening week of the season, the draft, like those are, those are our benchmarks. And those are things that we're excited about. So 
cap capitalize or don't capitalize on that excitement that you got that, that tenor that you have building within your league. Understand that like those rookie picks are extremely valuable. Now you're going to overpay for them once you, and the, the veteran assets, like you said, are going to be undervalued. Once you get into season, then the rookie picks for 23, people don't give a crap about it because they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about, I got to win week two, week three, week four, so I can make my playoff push so I can try and win this league. <clears throat> so you can steal value. And as a sharp dynasty player, you're already looking ahead to 23, 24. You understand what that draft class looks like and you understand that flipping a deandre hopkins now while he may be producing for you at a, at a wide receiver two level this year if you can get a 23 first out of him that asset is going to deliver for you in spades over and above what you're going to get out of hopkins for the next three years but also think about this let's say you sell deandre hopkins right you trade him away we're using him because he's an underproducing proven producer right and it, you trade him for the pick 108 or 109 and you know who who's that chris olave you know again who i love I, you know it could be pickens or i mean who who's wide receiver four in your in your rankings right now i'm just trying to, just to throw a name out there you're not uh, stuck to this uh, probably uh drake london Okay, so London. Well, London's one or two on most boards. That's not consensus. So the, you're not going to get London at eight. But I'm just saying is, right. So just say it's Jahan Dotson or one of these guys that's going to be a late first round pick in the real NFL draft. That's fair. Just wide receiver four. Yep. I would take that bet anytime. Wide receiver four or DeAndre Hopkins. I'm on the Hopkins side. Who's going to produce more over the next two years? And if you're playing dynasty in two to three year windows, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's not a wise sell. In my judgment. Now, if you're a complete rebuild, again, you want to have to be patient. The name of the game is patience. I don't have patience. I don't have the stomach for a rebuild. So I'm always looking to basically put, and this is a leak in my dynasty game, is I'm looking to put something on the credit card, charge it to the future just so I can be competitive in this year. And there's nothing wrong with that. There are, there's, there's one of me in your league. And there's also a, a, a lot of sharp strategists like Mike in your league who are going to be patient. And there's also the rookie guy in your league. You just got to find the rookie guy and then you can, you know, maybe squeeze a little extra value out. Okay. So here's my, my first tip for everybody. Mike, we talked about selling veterans for, for picks. That's the standard way to do it. But I also like buying one injury away running backs, not selling them, buying them. So I can upcharge them when the injury strikes the Alexander Madison's. Okay. The, um, the Khalil Herbert, these guys are gettable. Yeah. They're gettable. And they're so valuable should the unthinkable happen. Now, you know, every, it's been well documented that I, uh, I'm pushing on Zeke this year. Uh, you know, people are some people are ranking Tony Pollard ahead of him. How many startable weeks has Tony Pollard had in the last two years? Two, one. Yeah. And the, the tough part is that you don't know when the startable week is going to be. Well, that's my point, and that's what a startable week is. A startable week is knowing it's going to be like the Alexander Madison has had four or five startable weeks where you knew. Here you go, and then it happened. Tony Pollard, three, uh, you know, he's probably had six or seven good weeks, but like five of them were on your bench. I'm startable week means you know you can do it. Gotcha. So, and that's why, you know, it, and Tony Pollard's a good one injury away guy, and that's why I want to acquire him. And he may, if, if the market is hot on him, he's not, doesn't qualify. But part of my dynasty strategy for rebuild is buy one injury away running backs. I love it. I love it. You know, and if you got sharp owners in the startup draft, they understand that if you're taking a Dow Cook, if you're taking a Zeke who has, you know, who is, has a very clear handcuff, who has a handcuff that's going to be in the same role as the starter is and is an injury away, or more specifically has an injury history, you know, Dalvin Cook is going to miss games. He missed games every single year. So mm, clip. 
Zeke, all over Zeke. <laughs> a lot but anyway, of you, wanna... you know those guys are going to miss games every single year because they do miss games every single year. So in your startup, acquire those guys. If you don't, if you're not in a league with an Allen who understands the value of those guys, go out and try and get them cheap in the offseason. Right, because there was a point when Khalil Herbert went two RB one weeks in a row. There was a team that might have given you pick one to you know, like if they were a contender and they had the David Montgomery, they're like. Give me your first rounder right now. Let's do it. You know, like there's somebody that might have done it or at least an early second or, you know, what I'm saying is that right now, Khalil Herbert goes as like the RB like 50 in these drafts. You could have gotten a good pick for him uh, and, and you might have to sit and they might never come to fruition. But I saw some great suggestions in the chats, the Keyshawn Vons, the Trey Sermons. Trey Sermons, the perfect example of it because he could be thrust into a, a top 12, top 15 role just like that if Elijah Mitchell misses time. I know they re-signed some other people, but you get the point. That's a dynasty yep. strategy. It's not always selling. Sometimes it's buying. Get her ready to do the flip game. And you got to, you know, the flip game's hard when you're in multiple leagues, but it is a, a viable strategy. All right. So you you uh, sent me a list and you were talking about when you're doing a rebuild, your second tip was to classify each player. Explain what you mean, because I read through it a little bit, but I'm going to give you the floor. Talk about classifying your players. So kind of so when you're going through, you have guys that you absolutely will not move. And this and this is a little bit different whether or not depending on whether or not you drafted the team or whether or not you took over an orphan. So Alan mentioned earlier, if you have guys that you drafted, you have guys that you're absolutely in love with. Even if you have, even if you orphan that you took over, there's probably some guys on there that you're in the same boat where you're like, I'm just not going to move those guys. So I kind of tend them, I kind of tend to lump them into three different buckets. The first bucket is guys that are going to be the core. They're going to be starters for me for the next three to five years. I know that they're rock solid. They're going to be part of my rebuild. And even whatever, even if I get you know, I would have to get a, uh, an offer that's probably 50 to 60 percent over market value to move those guys. So understand where those guys are. Then you have the guys at the at the other end, the guys that you definitely want to move on from. Definitely guys that have that are high value. It might pain you to move on from them. But for the sake of your rebuild, you know that you need to move on from them. Guys that ended the season on a high note, you know, guys that where give me a, give me an example of one of those guys. Give me a, a, um, a strong and I'm going to talk while you're looking up because I said I know I caught you for a loop there. But that because that's one of my favorite dynasty. Uh, fantasy football strategies is look look at the last month of the season because those are the ones that actually have a chance to produce or at least their market value i mean is amon roth st brown fall in there would if you're a rebuilding team could he be a, a viable sell yeah he absolutely could be i think that you know and typically you're going to see it with wide receivers a little bit more i think uh I'm looking at, I'm thinking about the the Hunter Renfro's of the world. As much as I believe in Hunter Renfro and as much as I like him, he kind of has to fall in yeah. that thing. His his role for the next three to five years is extremely unstable. Well, well the problem the problem with Renfro is the window for the. And I agree with you. He was a dynasty sell. I I liked him, but the Devontae Adams basically it, it doesn't even matter if it, Renfro will be good. Let's say he's a, you know, he's a, a six catch for 60 yard guy, which is great in PPR leagues. Yeah. His market value, his trade value, uh, the perception on him got, it was got, I would say slam shut once Devonte Adams was there, but there's, uh, you know, the players in that range, you know, that are 26, 23, you don't always have to sell old players, 28, 29, 30-year-olds. You can sell mid-range players that maybe won't have the same value in 18 months from now. Yep. And then you have – so, and the, the window on this that I'm talking about is a little bit different. Obviously, when the Devontae Adams moves happened, the uh, the Renfro window got slammed shut. But if your season ended – your season ended week, week 17, you didn't play week 18, you knew you were going into a rebuild – 
the the weeks leading up to the to the Super Bowl, even before the free agency window opened, before uh, before Adams was was flipped over there. That's what that's when your window on guys like Renfro are, and that's why you have to understand where you are in the ecosystem. You have to understand where your team is. So if you know you're going into the se- into the offseason and you're going to be in some form or fashion of a rebuild, then 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 you flip the guys like that, the guys that ended strong but could potentially fall off a cliff next year. So first bucket, guys, I'm not touching. Second bucket, guys that I'm moving that I'm moving on from that have value. The third bucket is always the biggest and it's the most fungible. So it is the, it's the guys. Wait, can, fi- I, can I, can I back you up a minute? Cause you're saying yep. so much good stuff here. I, I don't want this to go unnoticed. You said guys that are untouchable. Give me just an example of a one player who there is no way you would ever sell no matter what the situation. I mean, obviously, if someone is going to, you know, empty out their bank wallet, you would. But who's an example? Emotionally, for, and emotionally for me, it's Javante Williams. I've had I've had crazy offers thrown my way for Javante Williams, and I'm like, I have him on teams. I drafted it. I was higher on him earlier than a lot of a lot of my league mates were. So I have him a lot of places. He's actually my first looking at my looking at my dynasty roster. Um, he's my highest owned player. I think I have well, him in seven of eighteen leagues. What's the best offer you got for Javante? The best one. It, it was, it was in season. It was like, it was a first and another, and another player. So I think people understand. That's not good enough. No, that's not nearly good enough. So for me, he's, for me, he's an untouchable. Um, And everybody has guys like that, you know, for, for, for Brandon Adam, that, that guy is probably in the. uh, See, see, I think that's a, that's a, I think that's a leak in, in, in people's games. They get too emotionally attached to a player. See, I don't feel, I don't know. I don't feel that way about any player. Like if somebody came to me and said, I'm trying to think of my favorite fantasy. I would say Josh Allen. I've been on him for a while, but let me think of a non like early guy like that. Like there, there isn't a player that I wouldn't trade away if I feel like it's bettering my team. I know like, you know, clipboard Jesus said in the chat that pits, that's an, that's another Javante is, by the way, you're not alone. Javante is a very emotional player to a lot of fantasy players because they want him to happen so bad, but until it actually happens, I mean, just think about it like this. You would not bet me uh, a significant amount of money that Mike Evans doesn't outproduce Javante Williams here. You could say, Oh yeah, it's probably going to happen, but you're not, you know, Mike Evans is a year in year out hall of fame fantasy producer. You, you yeah. know my point. You get my point here. I, no, I, I, I get your point 100%. But I think that it's part of it is the fact that it's our team and you're building it and in our vision. So whether it's my team, like this is how I want to win. I want to win with these guys. It's very, very difficult to be 100% pragmatic with everything. I wish that I could be. And I feel like in my life, I am more pragmatic than emotional in most things that I do. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I want to see Javante crush it and I want him to crush it on my teams because I've been in on him early. So that that's where, and like you said, it, it's a leak in my game. It's a leak in a lot of fantasy managers games. And if you can exploit it, by all means, go ahead and exploit it because you could probably flip me Javante for more than somebody else is willing to pay. Well, there you go. And that, you know what? And I think that's a good dynasty point. Now, you know, me saying that that's a leak in your game, it's not a dig at you as a fantasy player. Cause obviously the reason I have you on here is because I think you're one of the best fantasy players out there uh, in the dynasty game. It's, it's the absolute truth. Every, every trade you make, every move you make, I'm always like, Ooh, that's a good, you think about things in a different way than just traditionally do it the way you negotiate trades. And, you know, we probably have you back from when I do my, the art of the trade podcast. Cause I think Perfect. you really, I think you really have this down. Um, you. you know, you and I have talked about that, but yeah, so you. when I say a leak in your game, I I'm talking to the, the, the larger you because getting a de, uh, uh, detached emotionally from any player is always a good thing. Cause the less yeah. emotion you have, I mean, it's like, if you just think of it as trading a stock or a commodity, uh, obviously you're going to any, what's the best power in any negotiation, Mike, right? The ability to walk away. Yeah, so, absolutely. 
So dude, you know, I walk away from so many trades I, and trades that I initiate too. Like I'll, I'll send an offer out and guys are like, boom, boom, boom. This is my return. I'm like, nah, I'm good. And I think uh, it frustrates a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? So what? They, let them be frustrated because that, that'll, uh, that'll make them come back. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. So the, the next thing I want to talk about, um, is, is about when people try to rebuild, they, they underestimate their ability to be competitive that year. So that's kind of the opposite of what you were talking about. The self-awareness to know when you need to rebuild. I think that most dynasty players actually have the opposite problem. Now, the first thing that you highlighted in the beginning, step one, which is understanding that you're in a rebuild, you're talking to me. I'm the guy who always thinks I can be competitive when I have a garbage roster, okay? So that was helpful. But I think most dynasty players fall into the, I need to rebuild now. And meanwhile, if you look at their roster, you're like, oh, wow, this is at least a top six roster. Maybe it's team seven, team six. And there's always this dynasty philosophy where you don't want to be stuck in the middle, right? Yeah. It's okay because if you make the playoffs, all you know, you know, fantasy football, you just need to get lucky for three weeks and it can happen. It does yeah. happen. It's happened to me. It's happened to me, you know, where I've been on the, the bad side of that luck. So I just think, just make sure before you blow it up, you understand that you can be year one competitive. Yeah. And I think that part of that is understanding why you are where you are and why you're in your rebuild. So I have a team that I, that I absolutely love that's super solid, but it was decimated by injuries for the last two years. It was, I had, you know, two of my top three wide receivers the last three years have gone out Two of my top three running backs. The last three years have gone out. So on the surface value, uh, on the surface, it should be a rebuild. I've not made the playoffs. I've not made a playoff push. Even if I've gotten to the playoffs, I've not been competitive. I've gotten blown up. But looking at it, I'm like, this is a really good team. If, you know, these guys get back healthy and it's been one-off injuries. It's not been like, it's not been the systemic the or the dreaded soft tissue injury where they're going to keep pulling a hammy, hammy, hammy. It's been more catastrophic. It's been more like impactful, like an ankle, like a broken ankle or an ACL or something like that. So understanding why you are where you are too. You took over an orphan. That's fine. One thing, but like you're, you've been bitten by the injury bug badly the last three years. That's something that's something a little bit different. It might not be a full blow up. It might be, you know, moving a few key pieces and getting some getting you know, a piece that puts you over the top and then you're right back there. All right. Step three that Mike sent me and I <laughs> love this one is so in step two, he said, classify your players into, hey, who do I want to be? And when you say never sell, it's just those are your, who you're going to build around. Right. Yep. And then the players you're going to trade away and then put your, the values that you would like to receive there. But mm. step three is classify your league mates into who you think is win now. And then also go talk to them, DM them. Most services have a DM. You form that relationship with everybody. So Mike, you're talking about categorizing your league mates. Talk about this and how the hell do you do it? Well, if it's a league that you're new to, it's a little more difficult. This is what we do in fantasy football is by and large, it's it's a lot of social engineering and it's a, it's a psychological game. Um, you got to understand who your league mates like, who they who they don't like why they are where they are, why they're playing the game, what's going on in their life. Um, and it's, it, it's, a lot, it's a lot of information to take in and to try and process through so that you can kind of understand what will, look, what will look good and what will look attractive to them in a, <laughs> in a, in a dynasty offer. Um, <clears throat> once you understand that, like you can, the nice part, one of the nice parts about working on a platform like sleeper is it's super easy to get to the history of the league. Even if you're brand new to the league, you can look back through the last three years, you can see who the champion was or for the entire existence of the league, however long it's been there. So look through, <clears throat> 
see who's made the playoffs, see who's missed the playoffs by a little bit. And one of the things that I was, that I mentioned on there that kind of, it came to me as I was working through this whole process, I was like, you know what? Like there's probably somebody that you can tip from being a on the fence playoff. They might be rebuilding. You might be able to tip them into a re into a win now. So you might be able to say, Hey, you know what? I'm rebuilding. I'm going to, I have this guy. I want to flip him to you. I think you're really close to winning. Now you're a running back away, bro. Or sis, what do you what do you want? I'm I'm gonna give them to you, and I'll sell them a little bit. I'll sell them a little bit below market. Oh yeah yeah yeah, I, I, you're right. I am ready to win now. Let's go. Let Let's make a trade. Let's make something happen. So, understanding all that, working through it, it's gonna take you longer to do it. And some people like to get in, spray out offers, and just see see what happens. I I, don't, I tend not to work that way. I want to get through, get in good with the league. Okay, well, I'm going to give you one of my little tricks, Mike. I'll, I'll give you one of my tricks. And again, if this is a trick that you don't think is useful, I want you to tell me. But this is something I do when I go into new leagues that have already been established, right? Mm -hmm. um, is I will check last year's transaction log. And you can sort the transactions by number of transactions. So I want to see who, who made the most ad drops. I want to see who made the most trades. And those are the people that, right? Because, you know, there's always three or four people that are just ad drop, ad drop. I'm one of them. I'm big. Ad I always lead the league in transactions, <laughs> no matter which league I'm in, in a redraft yeah. league. So those are the people that obviously I think can get a deal done. So now that's how I'm going to classify my players into yeah. heavy, heavy, you know, highly engaged, we'll call them. Then there's players that just kind of show up in some dynasty leagues, forget to set their lineups in like three important weeks, not even down the stretch, like in week two, like they're like, oh, I forgot to start my tight end. Like, okay, so I'm going to classify those people as, um, not highly engaged. And then, you know, you, so you have your engagement levels. So you know who you could talk with a little bit. And then obviously we'll get, I don't want to get too much into the art of the trade. I think of forming relationships with people, just casual DM, like, Hey, how'd you do last year? I mean, it's a pain in the ass to do all this, but it builds that rapport. So the first time you're going to them, it's not like, Hey, buy my old players, you know, yeah. because then, so I think that when you're talking about classifying players, which I love this step, by the way, when you sent me this one, I was like, Ooh, this is good. This is good. You need to understand who you can engage with, who's the low hanging fruit in your league and who's going to be a little bit dif more difficult to make a transaction with, and then study their roster. Because when you want to, uh, you, you want to offer value to them, not just, Hey, this is what I need. So I like that. Um, what I want to add on to your tip three is what I put on here is also uh, injured players, okay? Which team is okay taking on injured players? Because, for example, J.K. Dobbins, last year, he, he tears his, what was his ACL, Mike? Uh, yes, he was ACL. ACL, okay. So you know there was a Dobbins hive out there. So the Dobbins hive is like looking to buy, but he's a type of player you don't necessarily have to get on a, um, on a discount. So where are you at on buying injured players, trading away injured players in the course of a rebuild? So for me, it depends on the nature of the injury. If it is. So you look at, you look at a, a career like, and he's obviously not relevant now, but you look at a career like Alshon Jeffrey, Alshon Jeffrey and Julio Jones, more recent memory is a guy that guys that were plagued by soft tissue injury it's a hamstring it's a hamstring it's a quad and those those are the type of injuries that perpetuate um McCaffrey could start to be lumped into that and that that's a that's a different that's a different topic for a different podcast um but then if you have the one-offs like like the ACL or the broken arm or the separated shoulder like those aren't injuries that will perpetuate other injuries um so it depends on it depends on where where they are how many times it's happened what the nature of it has been 
you know, and if I, if I think that, uh, and what my draft capital looks like for the, for the next year. So if I've taken on an orphan and I'm front loaded on draft capital for this year, for this current year, but I'm weak the next year, I'll be more likely to take on an injured player of the, of the Dobbins of the acres ilk with the understanding and the hope that when they bounce back next year, I won't need to draft an RB one because I picked up an RB one for a wide receiver two or three, because the owner was in a win now mode. Okay. So this is one of my dynasty rebuild tips for you is that again, is that you don't want to necessarily sell. We talked about not selling your veterans until in season. The best time is to target the, the playoff teams or the fringe playoff teams that suffer that week four, that week eight injury, because now they're, you know, they're a bleeding animal in the ocean, right? The sharks are swimming. So this is where that you can, Use that injury guy to maybe acquire him if you are rebuilding. Again, so rebuilding, everyone always thinks sell, sell, sell. Sometimes it's buy, buy, buy. So if you were a Dobbins guy, and okay, Dobbins injury, ACL. These guys come back from ACLs like they're like they're bruised elbows now, right? It's you know, so it's shocking. It is shocking. So you know, Cam Akers, everyone's like, oh look, he came back from the Achilles. It, it, to me, that's not coming back so great. You know, like I, I'm 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 dubious. But what's funny is that if Cam Akers, by the way, never came back, that we would still be valuing him high. Like right now, everyone values Travis Etienne high, but there's no lock that he's going to be back healthy. So topic for another day. Yeah. Um, so we talk about, okay, so bought the buying of injury players. I think Mike hit on something really sharp right here is that the type of injury it is. Now, ACL used to be scary injury, but is it the type of injury you said that can be lingering or cause of one? So beware when you are buying. Uh, and again, I think that the tip ties into the other two that we just started above it, which was don't always look to sell. Sometimes you're looking to acquire players. All right, let's, your next step. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to throw in uh, my next step here. Perfect. And then we'll go back to your, your, okay. So diversify the years that you're acquiring draft picks. Mm. And this is what I mean. So right now the narrative is 2022 class is terrible, right? I mean, obviously I'm exaggeration with clarification and the 2023 class is the best class that's ever going to be invented in the history of fantasy football. Now we know those two things probably aren't true that at the, after we evaluate this, these two classes in 2024, they're probably going to be a lot closer to each other than we imagine. So tip number three for me is don't, don't follow the narrative and don't uh, overestimate your ability to know which class is going to be good and which class is going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, these guys are all, these guys are all like top level elite athletes and things can happen over the course of time. Like I think that uh, I think that, you know, going into going into this season, everybody thought that Spencer Rattler was going to be the QB one. Like they thought he was going to crush it. He was going to he was going to be he was in the Heisman conversation. And now for, for those who don't follow college football, tell them where Spencer Rattler goes. All right, where what college he is. He was at Oklahoma and now he's at Texas A&M. OK, I, think, I mean, honestly, I'm saying that like people know, like, I don't know. I don't follow college football. I I start my rookie study after the <laughs> it, yeah. like around the senior bowl. So admittedly. Yeah. Don't, please don't please don't hold me to that because I'm all in right. that same boat. But I know that he was a, he was a hot name and right. it all fell apart for him. So if you're making trades with specific players in mind, oh, I'm not going to do this now because I'm going to take this guy next year. I'm going to take this guy this year. That's a that's a difficult process to undertake. And it's a difficult proposition. So, you know, get it get it spread out. There's going to be good talent every year i think you know going into the it looking in february of last year and back to javante williams nobody even really knew who javante williams was he kind of percolated up over during the course of this process so if you sold off your if you said well i don't want my i don't want my late 
my late first in 21. I'm going to flip it to an early second in 22. Well, thinking you were going to take Brees Hall, well, you missed out on somebody like like a Javante Williams. And, you know, you're kind of – you could have been there a year early. You could have had the guy on your roster. You could have had him locked and loaded and, you know, not not waiting on that whole process to play through. So it's it's like with anything. Putting all your eggs in one basket is a, is a tough proposition. You want to hedge and you want to spread it out all the way across. Yeah, and that's the other thing is that these picks, they're they're less valuable the further they are out. You know, like right now, if you were to order, uh, offer someone a 24 first – a 24 first, not 22, not 23. 20. They're almost not going to value it as a first round pick. Yeah. But right now they're going to, uh, they're going to highly value 2022. There's a lot of value in the right now, because a lot of times is when you, even when you draft a wide receiver in any in early rounds, you're going to have to wait. I mean, we get spoiled with Jamar chase and Justin Jefferson. They produce right away. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's like a lot of times you're going to have to wait. I mean, Mike Williams was a, a, a top five rookie pick. He's, you know, he, finally came on the beginning of last year he was a top 13 wide receiver top 12 wide receiver and we but we're still like not sure he doesn't go in the in the first couple rounds of dynasty startup drafts so what i'm saying is that it does take time so you want to get that clock started right away and especially in leagues where you have big cut downs i mean a lot of leagues we play in 30 deep roster 10 taxi squad sure stash everybody no problem but also my the Bring it back to my point, which was diversify your pick years. Don't just say, hey, I'm going to load up on the 23 class. So that would be my next tip. All right, we're going to go into you anything to add on that before we go to the next step? Nope, love it. Okay. All right, step four in your dynasty rebuild. And by the way, I mean, it's going to be in the video description below, but I'm here with Mike Dickinson from the Flex Network. I'm Alan Soslowski, Rotowire. And we're going to continue with our, our five steps to rebuilding your dynasty team after a quick word from our sponsors. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour-plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner, Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. And we're back. If you were on the stream, you didn't have to listen. But if you're on the podcast, <laughs> yeah, it's just how it goes. You got to pay some bills here. All right. So step four. Uh, Mike sent me a list and said he wanted to put he wanted to mass put out offers. And he has to understand that all of your offers are not going to get accepted. In fact, most of them are going to get rejected. So talk about the type of offers you want to put out. Are you gonna do you fall under that uh, philosophy when you're rebuilding that you're just gonna overshoot? And then say, hey, no offer of my first offer. Or do you put realistic offers out there when you're rebuilding? So this ties into my third, and I think it was my third point, where understand your league, know your league, know the guys that are in your league. So if you have somebody, and it fits into what Alan said as well, where you can go back through and you can look at transaction histories. If you have somebody that hasn't made a trade the entire time they've been a dynasty manager, don't throw an offer out to them because as the new guy into the league or girl into the league, they're probably not going to take. They're probably not going to take you up on it. So what you want to do is under have that with that understanding of the personalities in your league. Make offers based on that. If you have guys that are, if you have guys that execute a lot of transactions, guys that constantly are trading people, flipping people, adding, dropping people, then by all means, go ahead and put offers out to them. Um, but with the guys that, with the guys that you know that you want to shop, put those, put them into different packages and send them out to different offers. So on one, you may be, you may be selling Amon Ross St. Brown and a second to try and acquire a, a first in 23. On another one, you may be, you may be, you may have Amon Ra and you may be looking to pick somebody else up off that. So like put him into, put the, put those players into different packages, send them out to different managers, but understand their rosters and understand where they are in, in their framework. So you're not going to put, you're not going to put a quasi rebuild offer out to a win now manager it just it doesn't make sense but you're going to put those same players in those same picks into a bunch of different offers offers packaged up differently to other players and then okay i want to add on to that because that's that's a great point that's a great point be okay next step in your dynasty rebuild right here but this is more like a footnote to mike's book be okay taking 80 cents on the dollar. You don't always have to win every trade. If it gets something done and you know a player is just, it, it's the market is what the market is. You only have 11 possible, you know, if you're in a 12 team league, you only have 11 possible trade partners and you might be in another league and say, Hey, I was just able to sell Amon Rob St. Brown for a first and a second. And you know, so, and, and my, or I was able to get Amon Ross St. Brown for Michael Pittman in a second. Someone said, what? I, 
the, the pick should be on the other side. What are you talking about? What I'm saying is in different leagues, there's going to be different values. So just remember that the value of the player is only as valuable as those other 11 players see him, not if you see him. And if you don't see it that way, you got to hold. It's okay to not, to, to not rush that trade or you sometimes you're going to have to take 80, 90 cents on the dollar. And honestly, if you put a trade out there and they say no, you're no worse off than you were before. Like, okay, they say no. Go back to it. If they don't want to go back to it, move on to somebody else. Like, there's, you can't, it's difficult not to trade emotionally because we get a lot tied up into this. We have, we put a lot of effort into this. We put a lot of time into this. We want to win. These are our teams we want to win. But at the same time, like, you can't get your feelings hurt if somebody says no. I don't see that the way that you're seeing it. It just, it's okay. Well, and I say this, I see trades go down in leagues a lot of times and I'll DM a manager and be like, I don't, I don't, can you walk me through your process on that? Because I, I don't see that trade the way that the way that you saw that trade. And right. I'll say, well, it was this and this. And this. I want to make sure that I'm not missing something. Right. And well, that's why in, in our, our made it, our bad in our, vo- our uh, main league. Uh, when I say main, it's like one of our just high dollar leagues. I don't know if it's your main league, Mike, but yeah, we have a, 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 like a safety net in for trades because one of the things that really demoralizes trades in dynasty, uh, uh, dynasty leagues is, is lopsided trades. And again, that trade may not actually be lopsided, but if the whole, you know, sometimes it's just so obvious. And what we do again, not to go off on a tangent on our league, but we have, when a trade gets posted, when a dynasty, it gets posted on the board is pending. And then, all of the other dynasty managers, the 10 of them, have 24 hours to beat that trade. So if, say, for example, uh, you know, you, uh, we, you and I have a trade, and it's a Superflex League, and I have Pat Mahomes for Jalen Waddle. What? Superflex Pat Mahomes for Jalen Waddle? How the hell could you do that? The other dynasty managers get one shot to overtake that trade, and then the manager that is, uh, that is on either side could accept that trade. So it's basically... You can never say to anybody, oh, I would have given you more. Because how many times do you hear that in your dynasty league? I would have given you so much more for that trade. Yeah. It doesn't happen in our, our Madden league uh, be, where it's our, our high, high dollar entry. Dude, because I remember every- when I moved. I remember when I moved to Sean Watson. You had me on the phone trying to justify your, your reoffer for it. I remember it as clear as, as, clear as yesterday. Yeah, I mean, but I, think it's, I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great safety net built into the league because you do avoid those lopsided trades. Right. And again, it's, you know, you could say, well, you know, we're all big boys, trades are trades, but it also, first of all, it creates more engagement and it also assures that basically what it does, it assures the stars go for proper value that you yep. squeeze as much value out of the league to say it's another layer, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the swindlers, uh, they're there. If you're a swindler, a trader, then it takes away a little of your power there. All right. Yep. Let, let's continue on. And by the way, so are you a year later, are you happy with that? Deshaun Watson trade you, uh, now that he's on a team, you sold Deshaun Watson for, what was it? It was Daniel Jones and, and two firsts. Uh, I think was it that? was, it was DJ, a one, two and a three, a one, two and a three. Okay. So a year later, so I Probably. took with, with, so with the one I took Justin Fields and with the two I took Elijah Moore. So oh well, there you I, go. Yeah, no, that's, I, that's reasonable. That's reasonable for me and my team. I'm happy with the way that it worked out. Uh, right. I didn't I didn't draft as well as I normally as well as I normally would have in that league for one reason or another. So I I skimped on quarterback there. So I actually I didn't skimp on quarterback, but I, I forget I forget exactly what happened. But with with where my team was, I felt that I needed the picks, and with the talent in the class, I thought that I could that I could do something with it. So I'm happy with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, you know, the people are, built, are not building in that Deshaun Watson could miss half the season this year. I mean, you know, it's Dynasty. It's a long game. All right. So what I last that we left off, I said diversify your year of picks. So here's another thing that that in your Dynasty rebuild. 
sometimes the opposite happens. You know, the 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 players that are contenders or playoff teams, they start seeing, okay, I don't mind paying up because I like Aaron Jones or I like Mike Evans. So what you need to do as a dynasty rebuilder is obviously you need more shots at the dartboard, right? More draft picks. Always try to squeeze out one more late round pick. If you just ask for another fourth or another third, just to get a deal done, especially when the other person is the one that you could tell they're a little thirsty for the player is key because sure. What's a third round pick or a fourth round pick. It may not seem like a lot. And what's the probability of hitting like 5%, right? But if you acquire three or four of those fourth round picks, you can land on Elijah Mitchell. It does yeah. happen. I mean, you know, because when you do 5% plus 5% plus 5%, obviously you, you increase your percentage chances. So my step four is always squeeze out one more late round pick. If you have a five round rookie draft, just ask for their fifth rounder. I love it. Um, and kind of a corollary that a corollary to this would also be understanding the market value on some players that have fallen out of favor whose value could line up with that. And you look at, and when I, when I say value, I mean, from, from, from what the industry is talking about. And I use, I will use uh, dynasty trade calculator as my basis for trades, not my be all and my end all, but kind of as a basis. Say this is my, <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like the where you're going here. Go ahead. I'll let you. Well, no, so, so what I'll say is I'll see, I'll see, and and they take a lot of information into account. I'll see what kind of value they're attaching to a late round, and I'll I'll go and try and pull players. Say, okay, who, what kind of players have that same numerical value? So, say they attach like a two point three to to a fourth round pick. Let's go through and look at some players. You could also end up with a Cortland Sutton, somebody like that who has that low numerical value attached to them as a throw-in piece because that manager has been disheartened with them over the over the course of their, you know, the two, three years that they've owned that, folks. So, all right, I'm going to, I was about to this, this crush you here, Mike, but now I'm going to defend you, okay? So uh, I've, you know, our, our guy Kevin in the chat, he's funny. He said, only newbies use calculators because that's where I fall. But you know what? There might be some newbies in your league that actually use the calculator as a guide. So knowing the trade value, uh, the trade calculator values could be an interesting tool if it works on someone. But when someone sends me a trade that obviously, you know, that sharp players know is not a good trade, but they show me that the calculator, and that's not what you're talking about. Like someone sends no. me the screenshot of the calculator and why I should take the trade, uh, are, you know, I, I automatically dismiss them as um, not a serious person. You know, and I will say as I've gone through in my early days, and this will be on the, this will be on the trade cast uh, in my early days. I use that a lot more now in being in a lot of leagues, executing a lot of trades, seeing a lot of trades executed, you get a feeling for what the value of these guys have. But I, but every once in a while, I like to check myself versus the market and make sure that what I'm thinking is what the market is thinking. And most times it is. Every once in a while, it's way off. So I'm like, all right, well, why is it way off? Let me go back through and figure that out. And that's what my earlier point was. The market is... They're all micro markets, right? We could look at consensus ADP, but each league is its own market. So, for example, I was in a underdog super uh, flex draft. Now, this is redraft, and I was in two separate ones, one where all the quarterbacks were going early and another one where the quarterbacks weren't going early and both in super flex leagues. Mm -hmm. So the quarterbacks became valued differently based on that micro market. So the same thing applies in Dynasty. If – there's teams that are that are valuing players a certain way. That's what they're valued. You know, it doesn't matter what other leagues or the consensus experts are doing. So understanding, and that's another uh, kind of add-on to the tip four here, is that understanding micro markets, the market of your league. 
All right. As we're starting to come to the end here, Mike, I want to finish up. You, uh, you were talking about in your step five. I love this because this is the one I need help with. This is the leak in my game. You wrote, be realistic about the timeline and the scope of your rebuild. If your team is just totally a mess, it won't happen. So you have to be patient. Big leak in my game. If you're a QB or running back away, you might get there this season. If you know you're multiple years out, and again, that's why I want you to tell me, how the hell do you know you're multiple years out? Capitalize on the depressed value of... You got to be able to feel your way through the roster, feel your way through the league, see if teams are really, really heavy loaded with talent. Like, if you got a league, if you're in a super flex tight end premium and they're rolling out with... They're rolling Pat Mahomes and Jonathan Taylor and Travis Kelsey and uh, Cooper Cup and Devontae and those guys, you're like, all right. With my team, I'm not going to get there. But if the talent at the top is more spread out, if there's been a different winner the last three years, if the highest score in the league has been different the last three years, you might be a little bit closer than you realize. So, that again, this gets back to understanding the league, understanding the, the dynamics of the league, and just understanding, in general, how the league operates. So there, there's – and. As dynasty owners, we're in this for the long haul. We we know that when we sign up for a startup, we're signing up indefinitely. And some of these leagues fold in three years. Some of them are still going after 30 years. And, and all that's great. But understand that like you're in this for the long haul. So if you don't win this year, it's fine. Um, and you might think that you're – I don't know. Superflex is overrated. Um, <laughs> yeah. for the, We just had a comment in the uh, – you know that someone said super uh, – uh, Joe said she said uh, – that Superflex over it. We'll get to that in a moment. We'll, we'll bite back okay. on that in a minute. Yep, Superflex sorry. is not over. They're underrated. But go ahead. Continue your thought. Yeah. So don't understand. pay. By the way, when I put comments on the screen, I don't want you losing your train of thought. Don't pay attention to it. I'll, I'll handle these <laughs> trolls. Okay. I'll handle right. the trolls. Oh, uh, she looks very nice. I don't think she's a troll. Um, yeah. uh, so I would say that understanding that, understanding the league, understanding how the how the top of the league shakes out versus the bottom, understanding how the point distribution is weighted out, understanding you know why that team performed the way that it did. Uh, you know, the orphan, the the most recent orphan that I took over, it was just atrocious. It was a bad team. I know that I'm going to be three years before I'm competitive, and this is this is this is going into my third year now. I still got I got two firsts this year. I got two seconds this year. I got I got two thirds this year. I got a really solid roster. I think after after we come out of the draft this year, I'm going to be in a spot where where I'm competitive, depending on how well I draft and how well the rest of the league drafts. So that that that's the part of it. It's and the whole the running theme with all this is the is the awareness and also the self-awareness the self-awareness to know that you're in a rebuild the awareness of the league the understanding of how the league values players and then the self-awareness to understand how bad your team is or how good your team is how close it is how far away it is yeah so it's it's funny as we're talking about rebuild uh it's that there's some perpetual rebuilders in every league like right when they get close and i i can name names right now they blow it up and they start selling all their veterans and they're just, they're always in rebuild and they're perpetually, uh, you know, they're selling Nick Chubb or, you know, these guys like, no, these are competitive now players. So I think you also, you have to be self-aware when you're competitive because yep. rebuilding can be fun. You know, you, you wrote that as a bonus step to have fun. Sometimes don't have so much goddamn fun. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> winning is fun too. There was this crazy poll on Twitter that the football guys put out about a year and a half ago. And it says, what's your favorite part of dynasty fantasy football? And only about like 38% wrote winning a championship. There was like 30% dude that wrote trading. I mean, Ugh. a third of the people did not write winning. They wrote, you know, some of it was other uh, was the draft. Some of it, you know, there was all these other things, but 38% less than 40% of the people wrote championship because give me, I, there's something great about winning ugly. Like uh, the bet, my most fun I've ever had in fantasy football is when I win a championship matchup and I'm like, I'm starting like 
Craig Reynolds and a whole team like that. That there's no better way, a more satisfying way to win than when you when you win with scrubs. Yeah. And, and honestly, if you're playing this game to trade, that's awesome. Come join me in leagues. I will give <laughs> you my sleeper handle. I would be more than happy to jump in some leagues with you. You gotta it's what is this? The Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Like that, that's what it's about. Like you're trying to you're trying to outmaneuver your league, outset your lineup, outstructure your team so that you can win leagues and win championships. And even if it's not a money league where you want to win for bragging rights, like I remember talking to you and you're like, How was your season? I'm like, Well, I only won two of my leagues. You're like, dude, winning multiple leagues is a big deal. I'm like, Yeah, you know what? Winning multiple leagues is a big deal. I'm stoked on that. So, like winning, 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 winning. And it's not the only thing, it's the community, some of the best friends i've made in the last five years have been through fantasy football have been through i've never met uh, alan and i have never met face to face i consider you one of one of my good good friends and it's it's part of the community but but within the structure of that community like you want to have bragging rights like you want to be like that's cool bro but remember when i took you down in championship twice in a row like that stuff's cool too yeah but well i'm going to underline what mike said here and that the sleeper app for those of you who play on sleeper that sleeper was actually built to be a social media app that, Oh yeah, you play fantasy football on. Like it was meant to be WhatsApp or uh, what's some of the other ones on a telegram or that it was meant to be that it was meant to be a chat app. And what, and the designers of sleeper, if you listen to this great interview that the CEO of sleeper did, he was saying like, what was the one way is that he said, when I'm in a dynasty league or even a redraft league, I talk to the, the people from my fantasy football league all year round until football ends. And then we stop talking those, those email strings. So if I can keep everybody on the app talking all year round, now I've created that sense of community. And that's really what it is. You hit on that key point, of course. And by the way, don't play in any free leagues. Uh, that's the one part I'm going to screw. No, no, no. Yeah. Because crazy stuff happens. It's, you know, you need stake in the game, right? You, it doesn't have to be for money. It could be for something of value, but I mean, listen, that's why we love best ball leagues, right? Because even the stupid $3 entry, like we're interested in the draft. You remember the days of mock drafting before best ball? Oh like my you, God. Someone would take Tim Tebow in the first round and then leave. You're like, oh, this mock draft is ruined. You know, <laughs> it happened all the time. So yeah, that sense of community. Uh, and again, it leagues get hostile in dynasty leagues, right? Like friendships get tested, especially during a re- <laughs> rebuild. I mean, there's people that will screenshot your horrible offer and post it on like the, it, on Facebook message board. So, uh, you know, that sense of community at, at times can be uh, toxic, but for the most part, if you're in a, a group with, with people you like, you know, our, our guy, Kev is in the chat. He's talking about, he runs great leagues, um, at, with a, a bunch of people that are passionate about fantasy football and it could be a year round thing. All right, everybody. I think we covered it. We gave you at least five. We probably gave you eight or nine steps on how to rebuild if um we're going to do more podcasts like this because this this again was one of the most uh questions that i the the most popular questions i get asked is okay you guys talk about rebuild but how do you do it i think mike i think you came correct here uh, this was uh, really actionable intel for a lot of people and if you like this podcast there's a couple things you need to do here first i don't think mike cares about his twitter that much but i'm going to promote your twitter anyway because <laughs> I, I think you have a lot of cool things to say even though well, it's it's mostly uh, on twitter i like how you interact with other people you're not like trying to like hot take on your own twitter no. you're just commenting on other and that's a whole underrated twitter strategy too so 
Follow Mike Dickinson at the Flex Network. He's at Mike underscore Dickinson. It's in all the video description links below. If you're listening to this on the audio, if you're listening to the video, go follow Mike. And don't just look at his tweets. Look at his tweets and replies because he interacts very, very strategically with other people. And then, uh, of course, my Twitter at Alan Sislowski. Follow Rotowire as well at Rotowire on Twitter. And then right now we have our Rotowire Superflex rankings for free on Rotowire. So this is what you need to do. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. All you need to do is put in your email and you're good for 10 days behind the paywall. What happens is when the 10 days are over, it just goes away. You don't have to like cancel anything. You don't have to put in your credit card and the Rotowire Dynasty Superflex rankings. I steward those. I refresh them every week. I'm going to do it right after we're done here, making sure everything's in order. So if you want to see our Superflex rankings for Dynasty, go on there. You could check them out. Anything else that you wanted to promote before we uh, just close up here, Mike? Nope. Uh, the podcast actually, that you're doing? Yeah, talking about the Flex Network podcast. Uh, we are we go live regularly Saturdays at 10:30 a.m. We weren't there this we weren't there this week because there was some stuff going on. But by and large, Saturdays at 10:30 a.m. You can watch the stream live on YouTube. You can pick it up anywhere you pick up podcasts. That's myself, Brandon Adam, and Shane Seely, who's done a bunch of stuff with you. Um, and also Matt Beck has been reemerging onto the podcasting scene. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, don't um, don't watch Matt's podcast. Don't watch that one. Please do not. Please do not. The last thing he needs is more people paying attention no, we're, his, we're only kidding we, we love his, Matt's podcast no, he's, he's awesome he's awesome um yeah. it's it's a lot of it's it's a lot of rookie stuff uh Brandon and Shane are huge into the rookies they're huge into the draft process they've been they've been into this deeper than I have it's a lot of strategy and it's it's just, it's just a really good time the sun goes down on my side